0: So the title of my message this morning is Glorifying God. And those of you who like more detailed titles, 30 things every believer should know about glorifying God. And I believe that this subject here, this subject here is so crucial. It's so crucial. Don't worry, I'm not going to do all 30 this morning, okay? But it's so crucial. It's one of those things we desire so much, but we do so little of. Glorifying God. We talk about it, but when you really study the technology of glorifying God, it happens so little. And I want to encourage you this morning to really open your heart because I believe that this is potentially a life-changing message if we open our hearts to it. Amen. The book of the Revelation chapter 5, when I read from verse 12 to 13, it says, in a loud voice they were saying, and ever. There's an interesting term in the Greek. It's the word teleos, teleos. And you'll hear some philosophers saying, what is your teleology? And that's to talk, that's talking about how will things end? This is how things will end. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how things will end. Where every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's the song we were singing this morning. Amen. That's what will happen. All those people who you worship, hello, all those people who you worship, they're on stage there, you like how they dance, or your favorite favorite actress, all of them, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And I find it interesting when John writes this, it's like he doesn't want to leave anyone out. He says, then I heard every creature in in just in heaven no in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them Whew. bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name right It says, and all that is in them, saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. I don't want to wait until the end of the age. I don't want to wait before I start doing this. I want to start doing this now. Amen. I think it's so powerful. And when this type of glorifying of God, glorifying of Jesus, glorifying of Christ, when it consumes us, when this is our anchor, everything changes. Decision-making becomes easy. Think about it. If my agenda is this, if this is my only agenda, decision-making becomes easy. One of the things the Lord began to speak to me about, he started to show me that the reason why often a lot of Christians are in a quandary, they're confused when it comes to decision-making, Wondering, should I do this? Should I do this? Pastor, this guy or that guy? It's because this is not their anchor. When your anchor is, I was made to praise him. That's why I was created. I was created to glorify him. If this is your anchor, if this is your default, decision making becomes easy. Are you following me this morning? So this word glorify is an interesting one. In the Greek, it's the word doxazo. Doxazo, And it means to think To suppose or to be of opinion. So you can only glorify God if you have an opinion about Him. And you can only have an opinion about God if you have some knowledge of Him. Amen? So my question to you is, what do you think of Him? And do you know Him enough to have an opinion of Him? It also means to praise, to extol, to magnify, to celebrate. This week, what or who have you celebrated? How much of Jesus have you celebrated this week? And how much of your soccer team winning have you celebrated? Who I celebrate is who I glorify. It means to honor, to do honor to. To hold in honor. That word honor is a very powerful one. It speaks of weighing something heavily. That's why we cannot separate glorifying God and the fear of the Lord. When you're strong, when it comes to the fear of the Lord, honoring him, revering him, giving him the reverence due to his name, you glorify him. Amen. All right. It means to impart glory to something. Isn't that powerful? To impart glory to something. To impart glory to something. To render it excellent. So you can have a guy who's got a stay-at-home wife, right? How many of you know that he can glorify her role by rendering it excellent? By putting weight on his household and how much he values that particular function. So there are certain positions in society that have been glorified and there are others that are belittled and despised. Amen? So what we're saying here is we are saying it's imparting glory to something and it's rendering it excellent. How many of you know that governments need to start doing this when it comes to the word of the Lord, when it comes to who God is, giving him his rightful place? It means to make renowned, to render illustrious. I love that word illustrious, okay? It's when someone is well known for their accomplishments. You know when people talk about, oh, so-and-so's illustrious career, you know, with the Masters Golf, how they celebrated Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player. Do you remember that in the opening of, that, of, of the Masters? What were they doing? What were they doing? They were acknowledging these people. They were honoring them, but they were rendering their careers illustrious. They were acknowledging the great things that these people had done. Amen. I think it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Hey, Pastor Raymond, how are you doing? Good to see you. Even though I can just see from your eyes upwards, I still recognize you. (laughs) I think it's because I know that shirt. (laughs) All right? It's to impart glory to something. To render it excellent. To make renowned. To render illustrious. To cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. Let me say that again. To cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. So that's our agenda. That's our agenda. To make God famous in the earth. That's our agenda. Any success that we want, we want to do it for the sole purpose of glorifying him. Can I hear an amen? So what is interesting is that word doxazo, It actually comes from the root word doxa, which is talking about glory, right? So there's the glory of God, right, that we can't change. He's glorious. He is. By himself, he's glorious. Before we were created, he was that. But when we doxazo him, we make that known. We make it manifest. We show it off. Are you following this morning? Exodus chapter 33, verse 17 to 19. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name, right? Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Now, God had just said, I'll do whatever you ask. So when he then prayed and he said, Lord, Show me your glory. What does he say? What is is God's response? He says, I will let all my goodness pass before you. So we know that God's glory is all his goodness. All those wonderful attributes of God. And it's so powerful when you see his glory. I'm going to go deep into this just now. Right? And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. So his glory is all his goodness. And so to glorify him is to celebrate his goodness. You know how you celebrate the goodness of your team? Ah, no, yeah. Those of you, how many Man City supporters do we have here? Ah, you should have seen Sergio Aguero, the way he did this. Ah, no, you should see Leroy Sani, the way he comes on. Oh, he's a high impact player. Oh, have you seen? You hear people celebrating the goodness of their team. How many of you are Barcelona supporters? Oh, you should have seen Lionel Messi, what he was doing. Did you see how he just took the ball? It's very natural for us to celebrate the goodness of our soccer teams. And the better you know your soccer team, the more you have to say. So you have some people who are deep in their knowledge of their soccer team. So you have some Barcelona players who will just talk about Messi. Then you have other people who know every other player in Barcelona and they know the coach's name, the coach's middle name, and they know the coach's tactics. When we have great knowledge of Father God, we are able to glorify him even more because we are able to celebrate more of his goodness. Amen. I'll give you an example. We were singing here and one of the songs was talking about God who is my healer, God who is my deliverer. And I went up to my wife and I said to her, do you remember when they told you you aren't going to be able to run again? And then I pointed, then I said, God, your healer. What am I doing? What are we doing? We, this is corporate worship. We're encouraging each other and we're reminding each other of the goodness of God in our lives. And when we have that history, we can go back to and say, this is where I saw God's hand move so powerfully. This is where I saw God doing this, God doing that. There's more to celebrate, amen. The days when she was playing lots of cello, going for lots of cello lessons, she she basically injured herself in a sort of back and neck area, right? And then she went to physios, she went to all sorts of specialists, and they basically said, like, listen, this is going to affect you. You need to stop running. Don't think you can actually run again, because because of what's going on with your back in your back. Now, in a couple of weeks, she's doing a half Ironman. In June, she's doing one in Durban, half Man. In September, she's doing um, another one in Nice, the world champs. I think some of you know about that. Okay. But this was someone who was told that, uh-uh, we don't think you'll be able to run again. Are you hearing me? Right? So you remind each other. I was speaking to uh, Samuel. And I was saying, Samuel, this is time to praise God now. Samuel, as in my son, for those of you who don't know. This is time to praise God now. And then I started listing certain things he needs to. Celebrate concerning God's goodness. We have to remind our family members, our children, our siblings to praise God. Amen. You see, glorifying God is not an individual thing where I just say, as long as I glorify Him in my life, as leaders, we are to ignite that in the people around us. Amen. So that corporately we're glorifying Him. And watch this space. Watch what happens when a whole congregation is focused and our motives are just glorifying. Father God. Amen. You see, the glory manifests to the degree to which we glorify him. The doxa in our midst will increase to the degree to which we doxazo him. I did a series some years back on the technology of his glory. It's so powerful as a concept. If you want to increase the glory dimension here in this church, we must glorify him. The two are related. Amen. That's why the Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of the saints. What does that mean? Some translations will say he enthrones the praises of the saints. What does that mean? As we praise him, as we acknowledge his goodness, he comes, he pitches up. Now some of you will say, but he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. But Jesus is not manifest everywhere. It's one thing for God to be seeing everything and to be everywhere. It's another thing for his glory to manifest in every place. Are you following? God is everywhere. He's there. In your home, He's there. But is His goodness being manifest. Can you see the difference? That's why God wants us to be in a place where we build prayer altars and worship altars everywhere we go. Otherwise, we find ourselves in a place where we're experiencing this open heaven and things are just happening when we're in worship together. But then in our homes, if you're continuously using vulgar language... You're building an altar to someone else, not to Jesus. You see, God inhabits, follow this, God inhabits the praises of his saints. Demons inhabit the vulgarities that come forth from our mouths. Demonic spirits see things, they hear things. And when you speak the language of their kingdom, it attracts them and they feel like, oh, this is a place we can make our home. Ha! If you look in Scripture, it's very clear. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit comes to glorify the Son. The Holy Spirit will do A, B, C, D, so that the Son is glorified. So the moment I'm glorifying the Son, the Holy Spirit says, Paul is now doing my job, the stuff that I'm into. So let me help him do it more and more. So to the degree to which I keep glorifying the Son of God, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes and he's manifest because he's helping me to do that. Amen. I'm explaining to you the technology of his glory. That's how his glory is made manifest in our midst as we glorify him. All right. I like what uh, Chris Jamme, um, sort of modern philosopher, says. says, when we look for success, it should be for the sole purpose of boasting sincerely in Christ. There's no other reason for it. Success is only worth it when the more intense it gets for you, the more you find yourself bragging for his glory rather than your own. Can I read it again? When we look for success, it should be for the sole purpose of boasting sincerely in Christ. There's no other reason for it. Success is only worth it when the more intense it gets for you, the more you find yourself bragging. For his glory rather than your own. So that's my introduction. Let's unpack this. Let's unpack this. I've said to you 30 things every believer should know about glorifying God. Are you expectant? Is there stuff you want to know about glorifying God? Number one God is glorified when we manifest his attributes. I did a whole study on this, and this is what the scriptures are showing me. God is glorified when we manifest His attributes. So what are some of His attributes? We're talking about His goodness, we're talking about his strength. We're talking about His might, his authority, his dominion, and everything that comes with His character and nature. And when we manifest these things, we show them forth, He is glorified. So I have to say to myself, if I'm spending time with my kids, I have to say, how am I manifesting the father heart of God? How am I manifesting God's long suffering and his patience? right? And to the degree to which I'm reflecting those things, I'm glorifying him. So can you see how it is possible to glorify God with what you say, but not be glorifying him with what you do? Glorifying God involves not just what we say about him, but also what we do. Amen? We're acknowledging all these attributes through what we say and how we reflect him. And we were created for this. This is our purpose. This is our purpose. And that's why it's important to always ask yourself, what's God's heart for that person? And then you reflect God's heart you glorifying God in that situation, right? Number two, we were created for his glory. When something is used for its purpose, what happens? When When someone is used for that which God purposed in his heart for that person to be used, that's when they're happiest. That's when everything functions. When you don't use something for what it was purposed for, It breaks. Are you following this morning? It breaks. If I decide to use my television as a as goalposts, what will happen? Hey guys, okay, you have to hit the screen. Okay, you have to hit the screen. And you take a bah it shatters. Now we laugh about that, but that's exactly what's happening with a lot of people when you're not aligned with your purpose. And what is this purpose? To glorify Him. When you're not glorifying Him, you're destroying yourself. There's a sickness within your soul that emerges. When you do something with the wrong motive, there's a sickness in your soul that develops. Why? You were created. I was created for His glory. Amen? I want to show this to you. Because we function at our best when we're aligned to this. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 5 to 7. See, that's why God created us in his image. It says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You see, you can't separate the two things, God creating us and God creating us for his glory. Everything God did in creation, he did for his glory. God is very interested in his glory. And you might think, oh, that's so arrogant of him. It's never arrogant of a perfect being to want his creation To be focused on Him. Because if we're focused on anything else, it will take us away from His goodness. Amen? Whom I created for my glory. Say to the person next to you, God created you for His glory. Now remember, I've already shared with you what His glory is it's His goodness, it's His might, it's His majesty, His splendor, His strength, all His goodness. My question to you is, can you safely say, all the goodness of God is manifesting in my life right now? And you see, you don't have to twist his arm for him to do this. Because that's already his purpose. Amen? This is why I created you, for my glory. So when you say, God, may your glory manifest in my life, of course he's on your side. How can he not be? Amen? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. John Piper said that. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. See, what happens with a lot of us is we look for satisfaction in other places. I'm going to say it again. For a lot of us, we look for satisfaction in other places. And you know what that does? It mars His glory. It dims His glory. One of the words used in Scripture for the glory of God is Shekinah. We've got a little girl who's just been born who's called Shekinah in this church, right? That's the brilliance, the radiance of God. And what happens is we dim that when we sin. I said we dim that when we sin. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what sin does is it takes away, it dims the glory of God, the radiance of God in our lives. Amen? We were created for glory. When we sin, we fall short of that glory. That's just one of the consequences of sin in our lives. Some people think God is this harsh taskmaster up there setting all these rules for us. No, he's interested in his glory being made manifest. And when we go to other things for satisfaction, he's like, I'm not seeing my image anymore. I'm not seeing my brilliance anymore. I'm not seeing my glory manifest anymore. Amen? We will always want to glorify someone or something. Because we are created for glory. We were created to worship someone or something. There's this worship thing in us. And God says, worship me, I'm perfection. Worship me so you manifest my glory. My question to you is what is the battle in your heart right now? Who's battling for your worship right now? Who's battling for God's glory in your life right now? He died, he rose from the dead. I think he's worthy of glory. Amen. When you look to other things to satisfy, they end up enslaving you. Have you noticed that? God designed you to look to him. God designed you that you would find that safe refuge in him as your strong tower. That's just how we were made, that's where we fit. Amen. But when I look to something else to satisfy, that particular thing will end up enslaving me. Is it money? Money is a very good servant. Very bad master. Amen. It's a very good servant. Can use money for all sorts of things. Very bad master when you're enslaved to it. My question to you is where are you running to? To where do you run? When you feel lonely. When I counsel people who struggle, maybe with drinking problems, I say, what triggers it? Whenever someone has an addiction, just ask that question. What triggers it? When do you go to that particular thing? When do you run to the bottle? When do you run to the nicotine? When do you run to that relationship? Because you have addictive relationships. Amen? And you hear people saying, it's when I'm feeling lonely. Paul, it's when my wife speaks to me in this way and I feel emasculated. That's our brokenness. Amen? And God is basically saying to us, when you are broken, do you see me as your healer? When you are lonely, do you understand the scripture that says he sets the lonely into families? I want to encourage you this morning. The resurrection was for you and me. However you are feeling, whatever brokenness you are going through, run to Jesus. That's why he said to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he says, I will give you water, but you'll never thirst again. You know what Jesus was perceiving? Here she was going from man to man to man to man. She saw man as her source. She saw the attention and the love and the affection from those men as her sustainer. And Jesus was saying, listen, just drink from me. You want thirst again. I'm telling you now this morning, run to Jesus. You want thirst again. The reason she had about five dudes or whatever string of dudes she had, the reason she had that was they didn't satisfy. Obviously, the other ones didn't work out. Amen? Why do people move on? It didn't work out. Run to Jesus. Please say to the person next to you, just run to Jesus. Number three, God is glorified when we recognize him as our source. God is glorified when we recognize him as our source. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. How many of you have ever come to that place where you get some revelation from the word and you begin to praise God because of the abundance of knowledge and wisdom that come from him? Or are you more excited about other books that you read? Nothing wrong with reading other books. But in comparison to his word, his word must be way up there. And I find it interesting because it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God God? That God should repay them. That's one of the powerful things when we give to God. Amen? <laughs> you can't out him. Now watch this. Verse 36. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Can you see by inference what's being said? When you have the revelation that everything is from him and everything was created through him. And everything should be done for him. That's when you're truly glorifying God. When you're given musical ability, do you understand that your musical ability was from him? And are you doing it through him? And are you doing it for him? When you've got those three things right, you glorify him. And don't be like some people who do dodgy things, in the music industry, and they say, no, it's we're doing it for outreach purposes. No, you've, you've got that, hey? It's crept into the body of Christ. No, we're crossing over in this particular way, and we're dancing like this, and you see them gyrating on stage. Not here, but... <laughs> but... And they're saying we're doing it so we can reach the lost. It's happened. It happened with a particular person... Um, in a particular country um, where the pastor's wife was a, um, a musician, right? Um, somewhere in the Orient, okay? Great church, but she was a musician, a pop star, and started linking up with all other, these other pop stars and stuff like that. And if you watch the dance video, I won't show it to you. I won't show it to you. And they're all these people doing all sorts of stuff. And they justified it. They based it on, you know what, it's we're crossing over so we can reach the world. When you understand that however God has gifted you, it's from Him. Do it through Him. In other words, see Him as the source of your strength and do it for Him. That's glorifying God. And this is not just music, this is business. This is sport. This is parenting. This is friendship. This is preaching. This is sound. Multimedia. This is art. Those of you who are artists, it came from him. Do it through him. Do it for him. You glorify him. Amen. powerful scripture. We need to teach our children that all things are from him and for him. And when you live your life from this place, everything changes. Everything changes. See, God is glorified when we acknowledge him as our source. Revelation 4 verse 11. It says, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will, They were created and have their being. You see, my whole life changes when I walk around with that sense of, "Yo, every breath that I take, it's from God. The only reason I'm still here is he who is the holder of life. He's holding everything together, the scripture that my wife read for us. Amen? Everything changes. You can't boast in your own strength when you have this revelation. You can't say, oh, check me out, check out how cool I, you cannot do that. There's no space for that when you're anchored here. In Philippians 2 verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So many of us are fulfilling God's good purpose for our lives, but we're acknowledging that he's the one who's enabled us to do it. Many people will show off about their self-discipline and will say, this is what I did. But the scripture here says that he is the one who works in you to will. Whatever willpower I have, it's from him. Those of you who are very disciplined, don't take the glory for yourself. You know that your will is a part of your soul. And God is the one who can heal your soul and he heals it so that your will is restored and it's aligned to his will. Do you know that some people who've, who've got the broken soul, who've been wounded in their soul, it's also affected their will. That's why you find that when someone is depressed, when someone is broken, when they've been abused and battered, you say to them, start this business, do this, do this, and they can't. They literally can't because their will has been wounded. And that's true for some of you here. When we counsel people, when we restore people, people in terms of their sexual identity, that's a big one also. Part of the restoration of ma- the masculine self for guys who've been wounded and are confused in terms of their gender identity, part of the restoration is the, of, of the masculine self is the restoration of the will. God is the one who enables you to will and to act. Amen? There's no room for my glory. Can you see that when you have this revelation? There's no room for glory, self-glory. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Give him glory for that. Number four, we are called to glorify God in everything we say and do. Now, this is an interesting one. We're called to glorify God in everything we say and do. There are times when my kids are bragging about something. When they're boasting to each other, I'm better than you at this, I can do this, I can do this. And sometimes I'll say to them, okay, guys, uh, can you just focus, please? When you've finished worshiping yourselves, can we, can we just focus, please? <laughs> and that's an important statement to make because there's a lot of self-worship that happens. Amen? And some, some of it is subtle, some of it is blatant. Happens even in churches. What's your motive for sharing a testimony in church? Is it so that God is glorified or is it that, so that everyone checks you out and what you did that was so wonderful? Because you have that in churches, don't you? Please, I'm not thinking of anyone or anything, okay? We've, I love testimonies. That's why we've actually got a thing where we've said, guys, please send through your testimonies on the website. But sometimes you can share a testimony and really you sort of like put this veneer of scriptures, veneer of... God is good. It's all the Lord. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you really want to be worshipped. You're looking for that respect from people, that sense of significance. Amen? So we must be careful. Whatever we say, let's say it to his honor and to his glory. Even those of us who preach. It's so easy for me. I have to always be checking my heart. It's easy for me to share with you guys a story of some breakthrough, and I'll convince myself. I'll be like, I'm sharing it so that the church is inspired and encouraged. But the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. So God wants to take us to a place of brokenness where there's no room for self-glory. And the place many people live is partial glory. Let's be honest, as Christians, where it's partly God's glory and partly glory to self. I remember I used to read these books um, by a guy called Z.T. Fumum, a guy from Cameroon. Um, he's late now. Um, Amazing prayer guy. He wrote books on the art of intercession, the practice of intercession, hectic stuff. I don't pass on the books to too many people because some people might be like, oh, this is another level. (laughs) But he used to actually, he was, I think he was a chemistry professor. He was a prof in science. And he would actually draw the diagrams. And he would draw a diagram, all glory to God, no glory to man. Then he would draw another diagram. Partial glory to God, partial glory to man. And then you would have another diagram. All glory to man, no glory to God. I think where we are in the church very often, partial glory to God, partial to man. May God deliver us. Amen. May God deliver us. So we're called to glorify God in everything we say and do. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. And whatever you do, what does whatever mean? What does, my, what does whatever mean in the Greek? It means whatever. It doesn't, not, not, not whatever. Not that, not that whatever. It means every single thing. Amen? And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is such a powerful statement. What does it mean when it says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus? Do it in his stead. You know those bracelets people would have, those bangles that said, what will Jesus do? Yeah, do it representing him. So when you shout at your husband or shout at your wife, are you representing Jesus? I must be scratching where it's itching because of all the giggles. Are you reflecting him? This is not easy. When you discipline your children, the anger that you are feeling right now, is it reflecting God's heart? Or is it just reflecting your flesh? Doing something in the name of Jesus means you're representing him and we are called to do all things in this manner. Our behavior and our words should reflect his glory. God is glorified when we do everything for him. How many soccer players do we have here? Not soccer watchers, soccer players. No, my kids were dissing me. They were saying, you know what, Dad? I'm not going to do what you did with us. I'm going to make sure that when I have my kids from the age of three, from the time they're really, really young, I'm going to show them how to kick the ball. I'm going to make sure they're accurate. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to just watch them play soccer. I'm going to actually do it with them. Not like you, Dad. <laughs> yes, sir. And I said, I hope you guys will become better fathers than me. For me, there was no competition. If they want to take things to another level, I was in that mode. I was like, I hope you can do a better job than I have done. Amen? That's the heart of a father, isn't it? I don't want you to be worse than me. If you are like me, it'll be okay-ish. You must be better. Amen? There's no competition. They thought they were dissing me, but I was like, no, cool, go for it, guys. Take things another level. Want the next generation to be better. Amen? Why did I say that? (laughs) do everything you do do everything that you do in his name and for him so when I'm parenting them I need to be doing everything for him acknowledging his goodness and his greatness not reflecting my own flesh amen first Peter chapter 4 verse 11 if anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. This is a challenge for those of you who are speakers. How many of you are communicators here? (laughs) Uh, Guys, there should be more hands up, honestly. Okay? This, This message here is for you. I'm seeing certain hands up. Okay, we'll talk to you afterwards. I'm getting the hints. Right? It says, if anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If you want to speak before people, first go to God and say, God, what are your words for those people? Whether you're preaching in a church or doing a motivational talk, Lord, what are your words for those people? That's where the power is. Amen? And and here's the problem with a lot of Christians, and it's one of my... One of the things that annoys me, there's this mindset that God is limited to the four corners, four walls here. And so when they go out there and they speak, they're in a completely different mode. You know what I'm talking about? They're not trusting God as their source. There are times when I'll do corporate motivational talks and I'll feel the anointing on me thick, 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 more so than when I'm sometimes preaching. Are you hearing me this morning? Because God loves those people. And just because I'm not quoting a verse doesn't mean it's not anointed. You don't have to say John 3.16 says for it to be the word of God. You can have a word for someone and can be directly from the throne room whether you're saying John 3.16 beforehand. God's word is God's word. It doesn't make it more powerful just because you're saying, in Ecclesiastes, reading from the second chapter, In King James, it doesn't make it more anointed. Amen? I want to encourage you, trust God for his words, even when you're out in the marketplace. It's what we call prophetic advantage, where God will show you certain things. Now look what it says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, how many of you have got a gift of serving? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Do you guys want to just go? Like wherever I go, we just go together, and you can do all the serving. <laughs> okay. If anyone serves, I want to encourage you. Those of you who raised your hand, some of you are still pew warmers. We need more ashes. We need more people in hospitality. Get involved. Amen. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Isn't that beautiful? When people come and they say to you, how do you do all the stuff you're doing? God is the one who gives me strength. People often say to me, how, how, do you, how are you able to counsel so many people for so many hours? How do you keep doing it? And sometimes I don't quite know what to say because it's not normal. It's not normal. A lot of people would have dropped down dead if I tell you the number of hours I spend. Coaching, corporate coaching, counseling people in church, people outside the church, people from other churches and so on. It's not normal. But I recognize that it's God who gives me the strength. Paul the Apostle talks about the divine energy at work in me. Right? You have to acknowledge the source. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Does it say, so that in church things, God may be praised? Does it say, so that in every prayer meeting, Jesus is glorified? No, in all things. So for my wife, in all things means when she's there on her bike, cycling the 90Ks. When she's there swimming the 3Ks or whatever she's swimming in the water. In all things, God is glorified. Amen? How many of you love baking? Baking. In all things, God is glorified. Amen. How many of you love knitting? In all things, God is glorified. One of the things that was so powerful about Martin Luther—I'm not talking about Martin Luther King, uh, junior. I'm Junior—I'm talking about Martin Luther, the great reformer. Right? What was so powerful in terms of what he brought into the body of Christ was understanding that work can be redeemed. That, that that person who's a dairymaid, who's milking cows, can milk cows to the glory of God. See, it's not about what you're actually doing, it's about who you're doing it for. Do your work as worship unto Him. When you're doing that graphic design, do it as worship unto Him. Amen? Amen. My time. God is the God of time. One of the revelations I got about time management that helps me in my use of time, I've said to to many of you, all of us have been blessed with 24 hours. That's the great equalizer. 24 hours. The difference between us is how we use it. And for the biblical Christian, it's understanding that I must use my time to the glory of God. And when you chunk your time, when you say, what's the best use of my next 10 minutes? When you've got that revelation... You'll find that by the end of the day, everything you've done is to his glory. I was in Woolies Foods the other day. I was on my way back home. I think we were going somewhere and my wife had asked me to get stuff. And I was in the queue. And I was meditating on this particular point. And I remember thinking to myself, what's the best use of my time while I'm in this queue? For some of you, you'll glorify the Lord Jesus by talking to someone about Jesus when you're in the queue. For some of you, the Lord will just say, You know what? Just focus on me and behold my glory and begin to sing in tongues. And that's what you will do. So for me, those few minutes I was there in the queue, my best use of my time was just worshiping Him in song. Amen. Sometimes I'm driving. And I'm caught in traffic. Lord, what's the best use of my time right now? Begin to pray in the spirit concerning that meeting you're going to. Ushering in my glory. That's why I don't get irritated very often when I have to wait. Because it's an opportunity to glorify him even more. Are you following this morning? Very often I'm there waiting. My kids are at soccer practice and so on. Okay, they said they'll end at nine, but they're going a bit over. It's more opportunity to glorify God with my time. Are you following this morning? Some people are smiling. They're like, hey, but pastor, no, but pastor sometimes, but ever." I'm not saying you mustn't give people feedback to say, listen, timekeeping, you need to improve. But I'm saying for your own sake, keep asking yourself, Am I using this next 10 minutes to glorify Jesus? Sometimes we become irritated with people. And we become very short with the people around us. And we, we come with the self-righteous thing. You guys didn't stick to time. Did you glorify Jesus with, while you were waiting? So Jesus looks and he's like, yes. They didn't keep their word by pitching up late. But you also are deep in the flesh and deep in self-righteousness. Those 10 minutes while you're waiting for them. In fact, your sin is greater than theirs. But there you are going into that meeting thinking, what a wonderful person I am. I'm so good with time. But heaven is not applauding because Jesus was not glorified. The glorification of the Son of God is the measure used by heaven. Doesn't matter how wonderful your solo was at that concert, was Jesus glorified? Doesn't matter how many people praised you after you spoke at that particular function, was Jesus glorified? We glorify God when we do everything for Him because it's from Him. When we don't, then we'll experience a sickness of the soul. The moment we distort this purpose and start doing it for self, then the glory of God is hindered. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Don't you love the Word of God? Don't you love the depths of the riches of the wisdom from Scripture? Or is it just me? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what was being addressed here? It was the whole issue of some people saying, oh, we don't eat this kind of food because it's unclean. Oh, we do. Have you noticed that very often when we've got certain standards in terms of what we eat or what we don't eat for religious reasons, when people are like that, have have you noticed that very often we are boasting in our flesh? Think about it. The people who, very often the people who go to those churches that are very strict about for religious reasons, this is what you must eat and you mustn't eat this. The ones who abide to those rules, have you noticed something about them? Very often they boast in their flesh. Very proud. Your flesh is not just to do with licentiousness or immorality. Your flesh can also be to do with self-righteousness. That's why the Bible tells us that no flesh will glory in his presence. There's no room for the flesh. Okay? Psalm 96, verse 1 to 9. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. I love this. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all people, not just church folk. It's another thing that annoys me about Christians. Can I sort of just, maybe I'm going through my personal deliverance here. Maybe I've got an issue. This business of I'll only thank the Lord in a prayer or testimony service, but I won't acknowledge God in front of unsaved people. It's unbiblical and unscriptural. Never say, I won't acknowledge God because they won't understand. When you're acknowledging God amongst the people, before the peoples, you're doing something in the spirit realm. If you look at scripture and you really unpack scripture, it talks about how all creation is waiting to see certain things. It talks about how God wants the wisdom of God to be displayed, to be put on display in front of all powers and principalities. There are things you do, not just because it will make sense to the person listening to you. There are things we do because of the power it has in the realm of the Spirit. Are you following me? And we look here in Scripture, it says, Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Some translations say the beauty of holiness. I mean, from that holiness is beautiful. In church circles today, if you use the word holy, it's like a swear word. Ah, no, you're now getting into works. Ah, holy. Right? But the Bible here talks about the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, Christians. No. Tremble before him, all the earth. That's how big our God is. Isn't that powerful? All right? So... What principles do we see here? Number five, God is glorified when we give him the rightful place in our lives. That's what we see in this passage. We glorify him when we give him his rightful place. The Bible tells us, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. My question to you this morning is, where is Christ in your heart? Where does he fit? Is is it just that narrow finish, that photo finish? You know, nowadays with some races, it's not like when Usain Bolt did his 9.58, when you're streaks ahead of everyone and you could all see, oh, he's won. Nowadays, what happens with some of those sprints? That's, that's the downside of some of the sprints, right? Because you see the guys, and then afterwards you have to watch replay after replay to actually see who won. question I want to ask you is, where's Jesus in your heart? Have you set him apart high and lifted up? Have you set him apart as Lord Was it a photo finish with a number of other things? Where people look at your life and they're like wondering, yeah, no, Jesus, is it a close second? When we want to see who's most important in your life, does it it have to go to penalties? I'm using soccer language now. Does it have to go to penalties and it was like 4-3? He won 4-3 on penalties. And you're like, eh? but the other team actually played better. That was a fluke. Where is Jesus in your heart? This is very important. Okay? We also see, and this is number six, God is glorified when we give to him. I'm talking about offerings. It says, bring an offering and come into his courts. We honor God through our giving. People don't like hearing this, right? Some people are like, God is so important to me. Oh, he comes first. Ah, he's, God is essential. I was counseling a couple the one time, and I asked them, is God essential in your lives? And they started having an argument amongst each other. Husband was like, are you, you, when I met you, you didn't go to church. I oh, know, me, I did. I went to the evening service, and they started having this debate. And I said, do you guys pray together as a couple? Do you seek God? Do you repent before God together? So, no, 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 no. Eh, wrong, wrong, uh, no, no, nothing. All right. How essential is he? It's seen in our giving. When you love, you give. If you say to me, God is crucial in my life. Okay, let's see your bank statement. I'm never going to ask you for your bank statement. But let's see, where does your money go? Does it go to things that glorify him? Or other stuff? Amen? This is important. These are measures of lordship. These are questions we all have to ask ourselves. Number seven, God is glorified when we embrace the fear of the Lord. I shared with you earlier on that there's a link between the fear of the Lord, revering God, and glorifying him. Revelation 14 verse 7 says, he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. Can you see the link? Fear God and give him glory. You cannot truly glorify the Lord Jesus without fearing him. I'm not talking about fear as in being afraid of him. I'm talking about fear as in reverence. Because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. In Revelation 11 verse 13, it says, At that very hour, there was a severe earthquake, and a tenth of the city collapsed. Imagine that. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. What did the survivors do? It says, And the survivors were terrified. And what is the result of their terror? And gave glory The God of heaven. Do you know why Jesus isn't being glorified in many people's lives? The fear of the Lord is no longer there. The fear of the Lord is no longer there. One of my sons got scared when I explained to him about communion just now. He said, You know that the Bible says when you don't take it reverently, you can get sick and you can die. No, because they, they, they've been praying for interesting prayers, you know. Let me just leave it to that when they pray. I said, okay, you pray, pray, and so on. I said, guys, we need to take this very seriously. Amen? Amen? The Bible says that if, when a number of you have become sick and died because you have taken the, the bread, the body of the Lord, the blood of Jesus, you haven't taken it with reverence. There's a link between glorifying Jesus and the fear of the Lord. Amen? And I'm telling you right now in society, the fear of the Lord is gone. People clown around all the, all the blasphemous stuff that is said in movies. And I know that there's a pact with the enemy somewhere because a lot of it is unnecessary. Have you ever had that? You're watching a movie, it's pleasant. And then they just throw in the name of Jesus. They throw in the name of Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, why the name of Jesus? You never hear Muhammad's name being thrown around. And they throw in the name of Jesus and you're saying, this is a movie that is nice for kids to watch. Why do you have to use blasphemy? The fear of the Lord has gone. And I'm telling you right now, I'm speaking now to the soul of this nation. It needs to return because there are consequences if it doesn't. Woe to you. Woe to you, South Africa, if it doesn't return. The fear of the Lord needs to return to our schools. People clown around. They mock pastors. Have you noticed in the movies, again, those of you in media need to change that. Amen? They joke about men and women of God and mock Christianity and just throw in certain lines. We are watching a movie last night. Brilliant movie. We enjoyed it. We were hooked. My wife and I often have the 10-minute rule. We're watching with the kids, and we just said, okay, guys, 10-minute rule. You know the 10-minute rule, right? If after 10 minutes this movie is not going anywhere, we don't want to waste our times. We switch it off. No, because often you carry on watching a movie, then you waste two and a half hours because you're thinking it's going to redeem itself, and it doesn't. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I know, but it's my favorite actor. So it must be good because your favorite actor can also act in movies that aren't great. A number of great actors, in fact, almost all of them, they've also had flops. Just read the reviews. Amen? Why do they keep throwing in blasphemous language? The fear of the Lord is gone. Sadly, we often fear man more than God. that Jesus was able to die on the cross because he feared God more than man. Think about it. His disciples were saying, come on, do something else. And Jesus himself even said, you know what, guys, if I wanted to, I could just send a whole lot of angels and do a whole lot of stuff. I didn't have to go to the cross if I didn't want to. He had the power to do so, but he feared God more than man. If he wanted to be popular with his disciples... His disciples wanted him to have this wonderful revolution, to have them freed up from the Roman Empire. He would have done it like many of us. But the fear of the Lord was stronger than his need for acceptance from man. Amen? Number eight. God's glory increases in our midst to the degree to which we glorify him. And I've said that quite a bit. Psalm 22, verse 2 to 4, I cry out by day, O my God, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Very powerful. As I praise him, he's enthroned on the praises. As I praise him at work, he's enthroned. If you want to usher in his glory into your workplace, praise him more. Praise him more you know the power of just playing praise and worship at home? Those of you who get a rest at night and you see things walking around, crawling around your house and so on, and it's not, you know, uh, your cupboard that's open and the clothes and stuff, but real stuff happening around you. All right? Just, Just put praise and worship music on. He's enthroned in the praises. Amen? It's not always necessarily you doing the praising, but there's praising happening. He's enthroned. We've experienced it at home when we're playing praise and worship music. My wife was very sensitive to the Spirit. She'll come, can you feel the difference? Can you feel the difference? And sometimes I'm like, "Um, yeah, I think it's cool. (laughs) Did you feel that? So I was like, can you just feel? Mmm, awesome. (laughs) It's cool. (laughs) All right? But the point I'm making is that when you praise God, the glory comes. Amen? Some of you have got nice music systems and you bought them for your worldly music that you like because you like that bass and when that bass really goes. And there's hardly ever any worship that comes from that wonderful music system. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This is so powerful. Number nine, God is glorified through his creation. God is glorified through his creation. You know that God's creation glorifies him. He's glorified when his works are shown off. How many of you know that if you've got your favorite artist and they've, they've got a lovely painting, you don't go and you start worshiping the painting, do you? The good painting glorifies the artist. And you're like, wow, Picasso. Oh, Picasso is on another level. That's the same thing that happens in creation. Creation shows forth the artist, God. That's what your beauty does. More so ladies than gents, right? That's what your beauty does. Question is, do you maintain it? Think about it. You can have a beautiful garden, and it's showing forth God's splendor, but you have to still maintain the garden. Amen? Creation shows off the glory, the goodness, the splendor of God. So powerful. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. The sky doesn't have a mouth. The sky can't say stuff verbally. But just by manifesting itself, how God created it, God is glorified. That's very powerful there. When all the good stuff that is in you comes out, God is glorified. Because he put it there. Amen? If there's still books that are in you that need to be written... By not writing them, you are hindering his glory. If there's still poems that need to be written, that are in you, to the degree to which you keep writing those poems, he's glorified. because there is his goodness. It's a picture of his goodness in you. He made you creative. Amen. How many of you are artists here? I know there's a great artist that does come to our church, okay? Keep painting, keep drawing. That's his goodness being made manifest. Amen? Creation doesn't have a mouth, but can proclaim and declare by manifesting its fullness. Don't distort his glory. We typically praise the creator of something than the thing itself. But somehow as human beings, we're now worshiping the created thing. Have you noticed that? I love what Jonathan Edwards said. He said, the end of the creation is that the creation might glorify God. Now what is glorifying God but a rejoicing at that glory he has displayed? What is glorifying God, but a rejoicing at that glory he has displayed. I'm going to end with number 10. God's glory can be seen. You can see God's glory. God's glory is something that can be made visible. And the degree to which you see his glory will be the degree to which you reflect it. you will always become like that which you behold. If you keep seeing something and feeding off that thing that you are seeing, you become like it. If you keep seeing his glory, his goodness, and you just ponder and you just wait and you just contemplate his splendor, you begin to reflect it. We were called to reflect his glory, not to take it. And we reflect it to the degree to which we enjoy it and we wait on Him and we enjoy His presence, His manifest presence. Just watch this Isaiah chapter 66, verse 18 to 19. It says, And I, because of what they have planned and done, am about to come and gather the people of all nations and languages, and they will come and see my glory. Can you see God's heart? He wants people, he wants the nations to see his glory. I will set a sign among them, and I will send some of those who survive to the nations, to Tarshish, to the Libyans, and the Lydians, to Tubal, and Greece. Watch this. And to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations. God loves it when his glory and goodness are revealed to someone for the first time who's never seen it. And to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations. God's glory, I'm going to end with this, God's glory can be seen. He wants people to see His glory and then to proclaim that which they've seen. I want to leave you with this thought. Ask Him to show you His glory. Ask Him to show you His glory. He wants to show you His glory. Because seeing it, seeing His glory, will result in more worship to Him. See, your worship is a response to a revelation you have of God. And when you have that revelation, you then worship. And he wants all nations to experience it. Amen. Let's pray. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That word contemplate means to look thoughtfully at for an extended period. To look thoughtfully at for an extended period. God wants us to contemplate his glory. And as we do so, he wants us to respond by glorifying Him. Let's make a commitment this morning to say we're going to live our lives only for His glory. That when we pursue success, are we in agreement? When we pursue success, we want to do it knowing that it's from Him and we'll do it through Him and we'll do it for Him. And in doing that, we're glorifying Jesus. Amen. Let's make that commitment. Just raise both hands to heaven right now, please. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I yield myself to you. To the purpose of glorifying your name. I choose, Lord, this morning. That everything I say and everything I do I'll do it for you. I choose to honor you this morning. Forgive me for where I've sought my own glory. Even where I've done so partially. Expose the wickedness of my heart. Expose my deception. I surrender to you now. I want to glorify you in this life and for all of eternity. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen Amen and amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a clap offering. Hey, E! family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za and I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.